I'm back. He's back. Guess who's back? Back again. Bobby Harrison's back. <laughs> so you went to There's like a friend. Nineties uh, or rap, and I went to early two thousands rap. Yeah. Early two thousands rap, and I went to a uh, wrestling theme song. So there you go. <laughs> clearly speaking, we're back. <laughs> Uh, yeah, thank you to producer Nick for, uh, I'm trying to learn to be better that when I'm feeling really tired and overwhelmed and not have anything in the tank, that if someone offers help and I can use it at the moment, then I need to take it. Yeah. Uh, it's both my Canadianness and say maybe, maybe it's even my, I don't know. Maybe, I think it's actually a largely Canadian thing. Mm-hmm. We don't like to be burdens to anyone. Mm. So if any, you know, if I, if someone says, yes, oh, I'll do this for you. I'm like, but then I'm a burden to you because... You know, that's just, which is something I just got to work on. So I'm trying to learn to say, thank you. Yes, I'll take you up on that. Nice. Because I was, yeah, so I was just, I was just so tired last Thursday. I, I was like sitting there. I'm like, okay, got a podcast. I'm like, I got, I got nothing in the tank. <laughs> I yeah. got nothing. Yeah. And I even went, and then after, and like, so I just needed to sit and do nothing uh, for half an hour while I ate dinner. And then after that, I went to talk to our religious ed kids about uh, the sacrament of confession, which was good. I mean, the nice thing is when you're talking to kids, you don't really have to do any prep. Right. That's always the nice thing. And you can, and I'm actually pretty decent at uh, bringing it down to their level, as you say, um, mm-hmm. as one says. Uh, so it was good, but I was like, <laughs> I got there. I'm just like, all right, Jesus, you got to pull this one out because I got nothing yeah. in me. Yeah. And then at the end, like that's my brain got really fried at the end. And you know, it's a typical kid question. Well, who made God? And I'm like, I always have a good answer for this. And I know I have a simple one, but I don't have it in me today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, this too shall pass. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's Lent. I Lent, Lent, you know, when I was first ordained a priest, um, I remember going to my spiritual director at the time. I said, like, I don't know what to do for Lent. He goes, you don't have to. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you're a priest in Lent. It's penance enough. <laughs> you know what? There's a lot of wisdom to that. And this is not some. This was a. This is a priest who is a former Anglican bishop who mm-hmm. is very tratty. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, and I have a lot of respect for him. And yeah. I was like, you what? You're right. You are right. I just need to. And he is also. It's your first Lent as a priest, like. And and this is yeah this is my first this is the first real Lent in three years in some ways so yeah as we're coming out of this so uh, it's been it's been a little crazy it's been a little crazy a little too crazy mm-hmm. you know but we'll survive yes speaking of surviving I don't know, I got no, I got nothing to discuss around that that's but, fine uh, Father Harrison's tired but he's back <laughs> good I'm glad it's good to have you back. Yeah, it's it's uh we'll we'll talk more about it in a bit. But you guys did good. I was actually I really enjoyed listening to it. Oh, 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 except one thing, one thing. What? The whole Reese's pieces thing. Yeah, what about it? Uh first, they're disgusting. Oh. But secondly, in Canada, you get 3 in a package. Oh, so you don't need the king size to get the 3 peanut butter cups. Yeah, you just that's just normal. Everyone gets So you three. get like two two peanut butter cups and one extra socialism peanut butter cup. That's right. Nice. Yeah. So Canada's not all that bad. For the people. Exactly. Good. <laughs> you the we give it back to you, the people. That was my bad bane impression. Yes. Um although I have you seen the Batman yet? No, I have not. I've seen no movies. I kinda of want to, but I have I've just seen nothing. 
it's 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 a hard thing to make the time for. It was like my one free night last mm-hmm. week, and a friend in town said, "Hey, let's go see the Batman." I'm really glad I did because I just needed. I was a little hesitant to go because I listened to the uh, Sub Beacon episode about it, and none of them were very keen on it. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be crappy," but and it's three hours. <laughs> it's That's a long movie. It's not a short film. It wasn't perfect. The 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 last bit of the movie isn't really necessary. Um, but actually, I quite enjoyed it. See, things I have a very low bar for superhero movies in general, so I'm sure when yeah. I watch it, I'll enjoy it. I really enjoyed it. It's 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 not it's not an origin story, but Batman's still kind of coming into his own. Yeah. As Batman, well, we you know? we gotta we gotta switch topics because producer Nick is listening to this and is fearing another Batman episode, which will not happen. We will never do a Batman episode again. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh yeah! April Fools is next week, so mm. yeah, cool. Well, well, but what we are is clerically speaking, and I am Father Harrison. I am Father Anthony. I have had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven shots of espresso, and uh, <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> I thought you're. I thought you're counting off how many funerals you did in the last week. No, no, no. I've got some funerals coming up, but uh, okay. no. It's one of those things where it's like. Um, none of them have helped like i'm awake i'm conscious technically speaking uh my heart rate is going very fast but i also sleep for five hours right now uh so i am a zombie skeleton boy uh but other than that things are okay you know the one thing that's been very delightful lately is that uh and i mentioned this a few times but i've been teaching rcia this year and it has been just delightfully rewarding um, mm-hmm. the people we have we've got what five catechumens and six candidates and they're all just so wonderful. Like one whole family is coming into the church, a um, mm-hmm. bunch of other people. And it's just been really cool to see. They're all going to be excellent Catholics. And it makes me nice. very happy. Uh, and so we got through all the sacraments. And the whole syllabus got thrown out the window. Our RCI person like left halfway through the year. It's oh, just, you know, yeah, yeah. But it, so I picked it up and it's been a bit of a mess, but they've been very patient with me. And I finally said, okay, we've got the sacraments. And on the syllabus, it was like, go through the commandments and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, we only got a few weeks until Easter. What do you guys want to learn about before Easter? Because we'll have uh, like a mystagogy thing afterwards. We'll have classes after Easter. I have some ideas for that. Like, what do you want to talk about? And they're like, um, what's the deal with like curses and demons? I was like, all right, we can talk about it. This will be super fun. So that's what we're going to do Monday night. I gave him a nice. little uh, heads up. I told some of the stories I told on Clerical Pod uh, way back in our first year. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's not, it's a, it's an important part to understand and to know and what's practical and what's not. And uh, so that'll be fun. We'll talk about that Monday. Well, do you know what's coming out on Easter week? What's coming up on Easter week? Uh, my six part video series on Mysterion. Ooh, and it's being set up as a mystagogia. Oh, that's fun. Just saying, if you don't want to do any work at all, oh, I don't though. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we might do that because it's literally all classes have just been me talking, which I think is sufficient for anybody. Uh, so what because, you're saying is that if they do with these videos, yeah. they'll get an experience of the podcast. Exactly. At this point, <laughs> I think some of them listen. They, they've mentioned it, um, which I always get a little bit scared of. Uh, but hey, yeah. So uh, that's going really well. And let's nice. see what else. Um, and that's about it. Are you ready? Are yeah. Ready to jump into some uh, emergencies? Let's do it. Let's do a theological emergency. A theological emergency. We're gonna be a little shorter this week, folks. Maybe. Maybe we'll see. Possibly. <laughs> 
you for calling Clerically Speaking. If this is truly a theological emergency, please dial 1 at any time. Hi, I flushed my goldfish down the toilet, and I wanted to know, is that a sin? Theological Emergency. We'll take your call at 412-912-7995. Do you have, is there a script to read? No, we just jump into oh, it. Oh, I thought we just jump into it. All right, all right. So Man, uh, this, this is one week. It's ridiculous. You get out of the, out of a rhythm, you know. Yeah, it's um, true. Okay. All right. So let's. This is. Uh, let's listen to our theological emergency. Hi, this is Adam from the Great White North, formerly of Father Harrison's Parish. Uh, my question is around fasting. Um, do I have to fast for forty days and forty nights? Do I only fast on Friday night or Friday? And then what are the meal or lack of meal requirements? Is it just a glass of water and a piece of bread, or do I just forego for the four full 24 hours? Uh, help. <laughs> That'd be great. Thanks. Love your show, too. Bye. Well, Adam, if that's your real name, and it actually is because I welcomed him into the church last year. Um. <laughs> Wait a second. You welcomed him into the church last year, and now he's not a part of your parish anymore? You drove him away from the church? He moved. He moved. Okay. Yeah, he I moved. was getting worried because, like, first of all, you know, he's left your church. He has no idea about fasting. What kind of pastor were you, Father Harrison? <laughs> but now it makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. Um so yeah, he wants. So the question is around fasting. I think they're always good questions because, like, I'm actually one thing I've been learning lately in this last year is I'm a little surprised how much Catholics don't know around stuff around fasting and abstinence. Yeah, I, I am honestly shocked, and I for I think sometimes it can just take it as a matter of fact. Um, but yeah, a lot of Catholics don't know. It's really very simple. I mean, I do it every year. Uh, I've been doing it this year. Other than coffee, I've subsisted on the Eucharist, which I uh, received on Ash Wednesday. And that was the last me meal I ate until uh, Easter. Um, not bad. It's, the rules are pretty simple. Uh, I mean, I'm... I, I'm, more, I'm, I'm more like Jesus. I'm more like Jesus. Yeah. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. My, my food is the will of the Father. Oh, that's good. Physical sustenance. Yeah, so I'm not there uh, with you okay. yet because I still need my coffee. Yeah, um, you know, it's, but I mean, everyone's in different parts of their spiritual life. But I think at the very least, we can all start with a pure Eucharistic fast. There you go. Yeah, yes. isn't that right, uh, Father Harrison? Absolutely. I mean, although isn't there times you kind of wish that, especially when you have early morning masses, that you wish Jesus instead of wine used coffee? Oh my goodness, I would never wish that because I'm the child will be filled first. up. The child, the child should be filled, filled up. That would cause all kinds of problems. Like, it first would. of all, you'd have to, like... I know, I know. It would be... It like would, the metal chalice would, like, burn your hand. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, if Jesus was Italian, it would have been bread and wine. It would have been coffee and biscotti. No, no, no. Okay, bread and wine is, is, is this Italian on, by this itself. Is, this, is getting, this is getting a little weird, though. I, I want to be careful there. I got to be okay, careful. Okay, let's anyways, actually anyways, talk about let's fasting. Get, let's, let's talk about fasting here. So, and I think... Actually, one of the reasons a lot of Catholics don't know much about it is because we've actually lost universal discipline. Yeah. And I think that is one of the big problems at play. And so, as a, you know, when you're a priest, you're writing your bulletins, you're putting stuff into the bulletins. Every year I have to put the explanations in because people don't know them, not because they don't know them, but it's because, and, 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 there's, and then there are some weird hangovers from universal discipline that still exist that I'm like, 
why. So it used to be, for those who don't know, it used to be that universal discipline was every Friday you abstain from meat except for on a solemnity. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you would fast for three hours at least. No, no, you pass midnight. Sorry, from midnight until the mass before you receive communion. Even water, like no water, nothing, nothing. And then you would do uh, fasting and abstinence, uh, which would include like a small meal or something like that. Fasting and abstinence on Ash Wednesday, Good Friday. Those are used to mm-hmm. be the universal disciplines. It's changed. And it's every country, it's different. So I know in the States, uh, just for Lent, it's no meat. But for the rest yeah. of the year, it's no meat, act of charity, or extra devotion. You have to do something on Friday. You have to do something on Friday. In Canada, it's do something on Friday for the whole year, including mm-hmm. Lent. I could have a burger on a Friday in Lent. And as long as I do like an extra rosary or something like that, you know? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. We're weak here. Mm. We also only have two holy days of obligation. So, yeah. Uh, you also a- have three peanut butter cups per package. You guys are really soft <laughs> it's all those peanut butter cups <laughs> yeah all those peanut butter cups it makes, it makes everybody extra mushy exactly exactly so that used so I think that's part of the problem is we don't so this is a little preamble there because I think we lost that universal practice and then one of the weird hangovers to me like, I'll be honest I know it's a big thing in the states you guys love your fish fries I don't like it mm-hmm. it seems to kind of go against the grain of what Friday is all about uh, I don't think it pe- does Friday is all about uh, giving money to your church so it can operate. So if you get, if you, <laughs> and you have to eat the fish and not every fish fry is the best fish fry either. So it depends on what, what parish okay. and how their fish fry is. It could still be penance, but yeah, in general, they're actually kind of nice. The ones at my parish are good. Yeah. Or, you know, you Most, see people going out for like oysters and stuff on a Friday. I'm like, I, I think, I think, I think we're missing the point here, folks. <laughs> um, so I, I like the idea of abstaining on Fridays. There's also this tradition around abstinence, around what that meat, uh, warm-blooded animals, uh, the meat from warm-blooded animals exacerbates the passions. And so, mm-hmm. and I think there's, there's something to this. This is this old patristic notion. And this is where this, this, this is where the discipline comes from. It's about ordering our body and soul and this, this form of abstinence. So abstaining is saying, I'm not going to eat certain foods. Fasting yeah. is saying, I'm either not going to eat or I'm not going to eat much. Mm-hmm. So when we fast, though, I mean, people take on different disciplines during Lent. I've met people who, for all of Lent, outside of like Sundays and solemnities, or maybe they get invited to someone's house, they'll, they'll not impose it on them. They just do bread and water. That's pretty intense. That's kind yeah. of a bit of both. Uh, I know people who will not eat meat for all of Lent. Right? I know people who will just eat one large meal a day and just maybe a couple like but kind of do the wednesday friday good friday thing but every day during lent so yeah. fasting is is not giving up food completely it's just saying i'm going to reduce my consumption of food to allow myself to experience hunger so that i can know the suffering of others and i can reorient the body soul relationship so i can hunger so i can find my true hunger which is for god yeah and so the real two days of fasting are Good Friday and Ash Wednesday, which is one regular meal, two small meals. This is this is a this is a canonical thing. You can do more if you want, mm-hmm. but and there's always dispensations. Like if you're of a, if you've got certain illnesses, you need to eat. You're you're pregnant with a child, you know, or mm-hmm. or you're you're you know. There's all sorts of disp- the church is not absolute on these things, but um, fasting is important. We should fast absolutely. 
Yeah. I mean, the one caveat I would say to that is, you know, if you're doing something like a bread and water fast throughout Lent or doing something more than what is the norm, I think it's important to talk to a spiritual director or at least a priest or a spiritual person beforehand. Not because those are bad ideas, but um, uh, the enemy can very much use our penances and fasting as a source of pride uh, or to trip us up. Um, so like maybe you want to do a bread and water fast, but you're, I don't know, a construction worker and, uh, that can be literally dangerous for you and then your job and then your family, which relies on your job or something like that. Um, so just someone to kind of, you know, you can't be your own spiritual director. So if you're doing anything outside the norm, I think it's good to at least have one conversation about that. Um, but I'm not opposed to the, or ask the priest in confession or something like that. Like that's a good time. You don't even need an appointment. Just say, Father, I have a question before we finish confession about this. Yeah, something real quick like that, yeah. I think would be fine. Yeah. Uh, just to you know, make sure you're not doing anything like crazy for you. Yeah. Um, that's one thing about penances uh, and, and Lenten penances. Um, they should be tailored to the person. So what sounds really holy and cool for someone else to do might not be the right thing for you to do. Yeah. And the whole point of doing penances, like I was trying to remind people this, like let's say you give up buying snacks at the grocery store for Lent as one of your disciplines. Yeah. And by the way, folks, there's nothing in the church law that says you have to take up disciplines during Lent. But it's just, I yeah. think, I think it's quite. It that is a healthy development in ecclesial tradition that we want to find ways to just unite ourselves to the Lord, and make sacrifices. Yeah. So it's a good thing. But um, let's say you gave that up. Um, you're going to save some money. Our fasting and penance and all should always lead into almsgiving if it's got financial benefit or time benefit or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say you saved a hundred bucks by not buying chips at the store for Lent. You should give a hundred bucks to the poor. Yeah. Right. This is a very strong theme. Like you hear this for the first reading on Ash Wednesday every year, right? This, uh, the fasting I desire is loosening the bonds of injustice and everything, right? This is fasting ought to lead to this. God does not, you know, Jesus is very clear. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are essential to, mm-hmm. to life, but they're not just for our own benefit. They ought to lead to the, to the loosening of burdens for others. Yeah, that's one thing. It, it's very easy for Lent to be kind of your own personal spiritual boot camp. Yeah. Um, and there's aspects of that that are okay, but it can become this kind of solipsistic. This is a thing I'm doing for my spirituality. When in reality, your growth in holiness should also always reflect a growth in charity for those around you. Right. So if it's just about you and your fasting and your Jesus, then you're not doing Lent the right way. Oh, yeah. So that get the... I don't know if uh, for me for one of the things i'm trying to do for lent is and this is the other thing though too sometimes the self-improvement stuff isn't i i always struggle with the self-improvement stuff too mrs ruby helped me she kind of challenged me on this one because i was like so i'm trying to wake up at 6 a.m every day during the weekdays and then seven o'clock latest i usually wake up earlier anyways but seven o'clock latest on saturday sunday and monday i will not set my alarm but i usually don't sleep past 7 30. yeah um so that so I've gotten that in place now, which is good, so that I can start riding my exercise bike because yeah. I only have time in mornings. And I hate it when people are like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the gym more. I'm like, okay, I get it. But it's like, for me, I, that darn bike is a penance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I hate, I hate it with a passion, but I know I need to, but I also need to do it for the good of my people because if I, right. I'm always tired and lacking energy, it's because I'm not, in, I'm not you know, doing basic things to look after myself. And so I need to do this to, to get it into my system and to get the habit going. And she was really good. She's like, there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm like, no, I agree. It's just, I think where it comes in, it's like where it gets to be a problem is when it's like, it's all just about me. 
And it's like, right. I mean, we're misunderstanding what penance and dis- Lenten discipline is. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely want to balance it. It's like, it's good to grow in virtue and to focus yeah. on a particular virtue during Lent. Like, that's good. I don't want to, like, yeah. tell people the opposite. Yeah. Uh, but always, you know, keeping a mind facing outward as well. Uh, but also, you know, something like um, exercising or doing normal, healthy things for yourself, focusing on that during Lent is helpful to people around you. Yeah. Uh, but just to make that, put that in the front of your mind as well. Oh, and just one quick thing is for those who are wondering about, like Adam asked around um, drinking like a glass of water. Gla- water doesn't count at all in fasting. Mm-hmm. And actually generally like drinks don't. But like if it's like a, if it's like a, a drink and a meal, like a milkshake or something like that, that's that's a that's a meal or a snack or something like that. You know, yeah. it's like just but use your common sense. Uh, this is not this is not like something we got to be careful of not going into this in a legalistic way. The church has she puts these bare minimums in place so that we're mm-hmm. all unified in our practice. We're all doing this together, so we have this kind of cultural memory of what Lent's all about. But you know, other things careful. that don't break the fast, uh, tobacco does not break the fast. Uh huh. So if you want to take up smoking, don't, don't do that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't take up smoking for Lent. Um, but uh, that's, that's, that's a fun fact for you. Yeah. Well, I'll take up smoking for Lent. Then I'll get cancer. No, don't do it. It's bad for you. <laughs> All right. Let's do some uh, presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's oh, the best part. Yes. Yes. Quite. Yes. Quite. So I know I had said the last time I was leading, uh, I want to do a, a series on faith, hope, and love. And I ran out of time to get something ready on hope but i am doing it for vespers in a week and a half so i'll have something ready for the next yeah you definitely will have something i'll definitely have something <laughs> for the next round um and i every again every day every time I, I swear every time i try to plan something this is where i get flustered because with adhd you have to work really hard to plan your life and to get things organized sure and so it's extremely flustering when you when things get thrown your way <laughs> yeah and you've worked very hard very hard to organize things um and that seems to be happening every day. Um, but I was just saying to Father Anthony before the podcast, before we started recording, I, that I really, really liked the episode that you guys, you and Nick did uh, last mm-hmm. week. Um, um, despite the fact that you seem to miss the whole point of the soul's question of animals, you, you went on a diatribe around. Uh, <laughs> we did. We did. We had some fun. We, we you went around we it eventually for a bit, got and to you, it. Then you kind of came back around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's funny because when we put Nick and my brains together, they, they work to, they are too similar. Uh, so if he goes <laughs> on a tangent, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. And then yeah. we go in a big old circle. So that, that's, And it was interesting because, like, uh, just from the text, I knew, like, Nick's like, hey, let's talk about relational ministry. And, that seems where it was starting, but then it opened up to a, a whole other conversation mm-hmm. that as I was texting back to you guys, I said, please stop preaching to me, um, which was <laughs> yeah. good. I mean, it's stuff I've said before, but just so just like, you know, I'll be honest, the last six months have been pretty tough as a priest. Um, yeah. I've gone, Father Anthony knows most of the stuff I've gone through that I've had to put up with and just different things. Mm-hmm. This is not normal. And I know that. <laughs> Yeah, but you're just like, will the sun ever come out? <laughs> it's not like it's just like it's been literally like one thing after another after another after another, 
And so far, thank you, Jesus, this week is a little bit more normal. Mm-hmm. A little bit, a little bit. It's also yeah. Lent, so it's just always busy. Just the amount, like, when I was ordained, I've never had this strong desire to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. I still remember when we were talking way back when, we were talking about, like, different things that can be done in your diocese. I'm like, wait, you can do more than just being in a parish? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> in my diocese, we're, now we have 20 active priests and we have 30 parishes. Yeah. And we have 10 active diocesan priests and 10 externs or 10 religious or priests on loan. Things ain't looking good. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. If you're deserting to a missionary diocese, folks, contact the podcast please yeah you uh, definitely you please. have you have work we got work you know we got work for sure um and as a younger priest the burdens of what need to happen are being thrown at us without much preparation yeah at all and the support you need like so for me i'm an extrovert i need i i, I was saying to some people last week like i don't mind the work and how much it's been and it's actually teaching me to grow in some areas, like saying no sure. to writing requests whenever I get them right now because I don't have the brain space or time. And you also need a little bit of rest time. <laughs> and that was the you other do. thing. The, the other thing that week when I said I can't do it was that was my sixth week in a row without a day of rest. Oof. And I protect my day of rest very strongly, but when emer- when emergencies happen, you have, you know, it's like you got to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So just you're feeling the weight, and you're just like, ugh. <laughs> they don't prepare you for this stuff in seminary, and mm-hmm. I need. I know for myself, I need community around me. So I'm trying to make myself more available to get down to Victoria for my day of rest when I can to at least go visit with a friend or two. Um, but your guys is talking. So in all that, you know, you feel like a failure. <laughs> mm-hmm. You feel uh, incapable of meeting the demands and the needs. And there's a part of you too that even wants to get almost judgmental as a priest, which sure. is the demands keep on asking, and then you want to yell back, but you haven't provided any priests to this parish. You haven't done this, and like you know, you're not showing up when I do this or do that, and and you want to just yell, <laughs> yeah. and you have to work very hard to squelch that because that is usually not a good place to preach from or teach from. No, um, and. Yeah, that, that takes time. That takes time. Um, so those are all things that are kind of going through you in all of this. And uh, and um, and it's, yeah, it is tough. Like I, I was saying to a friend the other day, I, maybe I mentioned in our, when we talked about celibacy a few weeks ago, I never felt alone in the priesthood. Yeah. Which I'm really grateful for. But I really do feel isolated. Mm-hmm. Even right now. My closest priest friend's an hour and a half away. Right, my my friends are an hour and a half away. Like that's not something you can just hop into your car, go to someone's house for coffee for. Um, and so in all this, you just feel like an utter failure, and mm-hmm. and you and frustrated because you offer all these extra confession times during Lent, and people don't necessarily show up during while you're sitting there, but then they'll show up at the last five minutes before you're supposed to get ready for mass, or or they, um. It happens all the time. <laughs> I know it's going to happen. The last two weeks before Easter, where are all the extra confession times? Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, and I've told the parishioners, 
people aren't coming enough for you to warrant to schedule anything more at this point. So I'm not going to be. Yeah. Um, it's about teaching people that you have a responsibility to, right? True. Um, but in all that, you feel like a failure and you're just like, maybe I'm not cut out for this <laughs> some days. And uh, it's not fun. It's not easy. And you feel, yeah, you feel isolated and you, yeah, the failure thing. And so, but what you're talking about failure, and I know it's something I've talked about before too, but it was good to hear it from a different mouth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to sure. To be reminded. It's one of those moments where like, I've talked about this before, but, or, or even a couple of times when I was preaching last week, I was just like, oh man, I needed to hear that. <laughs> I didn't even realize it when I wrote it down, but I needed to hear that. Um, I was really grateful for that. It doesn't make things easier to bear, but it make it it gets your head out of the muck of because I think that's where the enemy likes to attack. Uh, as I'm saying, this, I'm like okay, yeah, yeah, I need this. What about to say? I need to hear too. He loves to accuse. Yes, mm-hmm. you are a failure. Yeah, you suck at this. Yes, you are disorganized. Uh, yes, you get flustered too easily. Yes, you could be more generous here and there. Uh, yes, you need to be able to say no better. And you're a failure and all that. And you just internalize that. And um, the point of failure in the faith, though, is not to feel horrible about yourself. The whole point of failure is to say, okay. I will fail, uh, as you said last week, because Christ failed. I mean, there's no greater failure than the cross, mm-hmm. right? Um, but that's mysteriously where grace works. Yeah. I'll shut up for a moment. <laughs> yeah, no, because I mean, it's it's one thing to talk about it and know it. It's another thing to live it. Because one of the things it happens to everybody is that when I feel bad, I assume that I am bad. Um, and there's a difference between not succeeding and being essentially bad um there's a difference there but also you know kind of since we're taking a uh, since you're here taking a different perspective i think a lot of people in uh religious life in the priesthood um in a different way in lady i want to touch on that too mm-hmm. uh but i think a lot of us uh at least in 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 the west uh need to become more comfortable with the fact that we are priests and religious in a period of decline in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, that's just how it is right now. Now, when I say that, you know, people might think, you know, shouldn't we always be evangelizing? Shouldn't we always be growing? Yeah, I'm not saying that, but this, like in my diocese, in a different way, in some ways, a more extreme way in your diocese, like this is a period of decline. I just really think we need to change our expectations of what ministry looks like. Yeah. And in order to live in a period of decline, in order to live with constant failure, I'm using that, I use that term failure as a, uh, in a way, because I know it sounds pejorative because I really want to get across this point. Right. Um, Failure doesn't necessarily mean failure, but I'm trying to really get us comfortable with this idea. Mm Mm-hmm. but it's going to take, and it's something that we talked about in seminary and we thought about, but now we're actually in it and living it. Right. That we need to live radically close to Jesus Christ. Yeah. To not get the same kind of rewards or satisfaction out of our ministry. Right. Uh, 
and there are going to be moments of that for sure. Like oh, yeah. my RCA group is a great moment of that. Um, there's a lot. I mean, I, I love my parish. There's a lot of good things going on. Um, but it's just, it's just one small part of a church. Right. And to be able to uh, let your dreams die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I mean it. Yep. Because they're your dreams. Yep. This is how you think the church should be, how you think it should grow. And all that has to die. Because you are a small part. You are a servant. You have your small role to do. And to get comfortable with that is to become more in love with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So when everything's crashing and burning around you, when you're doing your best, when nothing seems to work, when you fail because you lost your temper or this or that, the other thing, uh, to become more comfortable in our emptiness and our weakness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a part of the Christian life as far as our um, stance toward the outside, our stance towards the world, that we, we have forgotten uh, that most evangelization efforts especially the first ones they fail people Mm -hmm. get martyred people die Mm -hmm. we're in a weird changing time in the church where what i saw a tweet the other day where someone in a full collar was asked if they worked at the grocery store right um like they knew it was a uniform of some sort like this is happening um and it's weird and it's different and let's stop pretending that it's not weird and that it's not different this is a particular time that we live in and there's gonna be lots and lots of failure in that right yeah and i think that's part of it and i don't i can't i mean i don't blame anyone but i don't think there's been there is to an extent some acceptance that we're in this period of decline where i think it's frustrating is in formation we've not been prepared for that because mm-hmm. those who are forming us don't know decline right not to this degree um and so they kind of just look at you kind of weirdly and like wait no no no, like well no like you just do what you're always supposed to do you got to be close to the people you got to do this got to do this gotta do this i'm like yeah that that might have worked 20 years ago when you had a, a parochial vicar with you and mm-hmm. Uh, you might have had more staff or more volunteers. People may have been more active in the parish, right? Um, and it, it, it was a good reminder, too, because I remember when I came back from... Um, when I came back from Boston in August, I came to a real peace that Jesus was just saying, let the pieces fall where they may. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how much when the pieces start to fall, how much we want to actually try to control it because we think that's what a good priest should do. I've been thinking about this for a while, about you specifically. Okay. Because there was a time, like, yeah, it was we were in time with the sisters and you came back and they're like, you know what? There was a moment of like beautiful and very real trust in the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, whatever happens, happens. And then it happened. And I'm not, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not chiding you for this because I don't, I no, would have not act any differently. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, this is the reality. Like, this is when it happens. And and this is the thing. And everyone, so it, it's that hard balance because at the same time, you have as a pastor the responsibility of governance. Mm-hmm. All right. And um, building up, keep my gosh, oh my gosh. It's like been half my life the last six months. Um, although at the same time, I've actually realized like we're going to be saying no to a couple of things from external groups. Well, I don't know. I haven't, we're going to discuss at pastoral council, but external groups yeah. using our parish hall for different good activities that work, that service the community. But because we can't afford right now to have a maintenance person. Yeah. I can't do that. 
because their needs just fall on me and i can tell you i do not have the capacity for maintenance stuff like i'm not a i'm not a handyman at all yeah and i'm okay with that i i accept that uh but no like it it's been one of those moments of like uh, okay a that's what god was preparing me for but b how quickly uh i actually preached on this on the weekend about the importance of memory in the life of vocation um that or just in our life in general that we need to see how god has acted in our life uh it's like psalm 77 talks about like i preached on is god here or not from the first reading with the scrutinies because uh, i'm like if i'm doing one mass of scrutinies they're both getting readings um but yeah. uh uh so yeah there's that end of the line at exodus is god with us or not and i kind of i kind of put i uh, juxtaposed uh israel in their complaining to moses um wait god's not looking out for us maybe we would have been better off in egypt as they like mm-hmm. to say and the woman at the well who in an encounter with jesus reveals her past and actually uses it as a badge of honor here is mm-hmm. a man who told me everything i've done and she's not yeah. ashamed by it yeah. and that juxtaposition was that israel forgot what god had done for them a few chapters ago and taken yeah. across the red sea while the the woman at the well her her past is almost almost forced upon her by jesus with them with the word of truth you are mm-hmm. right in saying you have no husband for you've had five of them and the man you're with now is not your husband and but that she has a positive lens of memory whereby she's seen God at work, not just today, but now how he has seen her past. Mm-hmm. While Israel's like, we don't care about the past. Or the only past we care about is where actually things weren't great, but we think they were. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, and so we need that memory in our life of faith. Um, and so I've been like reflecting on that myself, just like, okay, but it's like, it's hard. Like, cause then like, I, like when a like literally when a house literally explodes next to your cemetery, yeah. I can't just let that fall into place, right? Like I can't, so, I, I can't be, I can't be like, oh well, whatever happens, happens. Right, and actually, I'll bring because I'm not yeah. saying because it can sound like the what I'm right. saying last two episodes is that we roll over dead, right? Um, and and I'm not saying that at all. Like, yeah. continue to preach, continue, to, but. If you get like if you're a youth minister and you get like seven kids at your at your you know youth nights, okay, don't stress about that. Like, who are the seven people who are right in front of you? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm preaching to everybody. Not everyone's going to hear it. Um, there, there are two people uh, who occasionally show up at the mass that at were like aren't paying attention at all. And it's distractingly so, and like pull out their bulletin when I'm preaching and stuff, which and like and then leave after communion and i have no idea why they still show up or why they're there but yeah that's going to be a part of it mm-hmm. too um and, and what is frustrating you kind of mentioned it as kind of uh, the older generation saying oh you just do this this and the other thing i've noticed at least in my diocese because i'm in small groups with a lot of people a lot, a lot of priests from an older generation and they don't see it that way um, they are confused by it exhausted by it uh, ready to retire. They've given, you know, 30, 40 plus years to the priesthood. Don't regret it at all, mm-hmm. but are done, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of tough. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine like doing the thing that you love for 40 years and then just wanting to be done with it. Like there's some, like they feel what's going on now, you know, and then, like I said, my diocese with the com- combination of churches, it's, it's particularly difficult um, in this, in this way. Uh, but there's also a, 
the way I see it, kind of grasping and holding on to the way things used to be mm-hmm. instead of acknowledging the way things are. Right. And coming to peace with the way things are. Um, and so that's not going to come. It's, it's the other thing that we have to realize that we are not going to always get, or we're rarely going to get, if ever, the support or understanding from the top down. Mm-hmm. And this makes things difficult because we are a hierarchical church. And so how do you basically, as a priest who always has a bishop, how do you become an adult? How do you take your vocation to yourself? How? Still in obedience, but no longer look for support top down because it either it won't or it can't come from there, mm-hmm. uh, either because of situation or personalities or just whatever. How can you then still hold your vocation in integrity, serve the people the way you know that they can be served mm-hmm. and do these things. Because I think it's very tempting to keep wanting to say like, if my bishop or if my wh- whoever vicar general did this or that, if they just understood, it would be easier. Well, that's, you know, too damn bad. That's not going to happen. So are we going to stay in this infantile waiting for someone to fix it? Or how do we grow up as priests? Um, how do we stay responsible and hold that integrity in ourselves? So what do you need to do in your parish? Um, and in a certain extent, you know, it's a weird time, um, yeah. you know, because, you know, I've seen some priests uh, come face to face with this reality and fly off the handle mm-hmm. and uh, actually become more juvenile in their anger and their lashing out. Others have just shut down. Um, I'm still deciding what I'm going to do if I'm going to shut down or lash out in anger. Right. <laughs> but it's like, okay. It's time for you to live the way you need to live. Yeah. And that's not a selfish thing. It's it's how do I stay faithful to my vocation? So I'm going to um, do a Eucharistic procession. Not a lot of people are going to show up, but that's what I'm going to do because mm-hmm. that's what needs to happen. Yep. And for the people that do, that's beautiful. And you stick with it. And it's kind of a thing of like, we do have to keep going forward. Yeah. And, and, and God is still working. And if you look, if you zoom in instead of zooming out, you'll see it. Like I see it in my RCA people. I see it in these young Catholic families that are in my parish. I see it in uh, some of the older people who are super excited to learn more about their faith through our programs. Like this stuff still happens, but the dreams you've had of if I do everything right and if I'm holy enough, then my parish will look like X, that has to die. And that's the weird thing, because I've never, personally, I've never had that dream. Mm -hmm. Really, honestly, I've not. Like I... I've had the dream of what I think a good pastor should be. And you realize for experience, like, oh, this is why these priests did this, this, or this is why they got short with people, or this is why they got, their preaching can get dull sometimes or whatever. Cause they're like, oh, I get it. I get it. There are some weeks you're like, I don't want to prepare anything. Right. I'm not saying I, I agree with it, but I'm saying I get it. Right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm disagreeing with you. Okay. Because there's no way you go into this without ideals. No, but I, again, I told you earlier, I didn't, I never really yearned to be a pastor. Okay. I've never had that in my, being ordained a priest, I never had the, I knew I'd probably be made a pastor, but I had, I was in no rush. And but had it's not no, being a pastor, it's, I think my priesthood will look like this. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I did, I did that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, that okay. I had that for sure, Yeah. right? Because, oh, I'll do this better than that guy, or they'll do this better than that guy. And mm-hmm. probably in some areas, I will, and I have. And that's fine. And there are some areas where I suck. Yeah. Um, uh, so this whole um, 
This has become Father Harrison Therapy Spiritual Direction Podcast. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's all the material I have to reflect on this week, so it is what it is. Um, I agree that the way things have been done can't be done anymore. I 100% agree there. Um, And I think part of, I know for myself, I think part of it is I've always had a hard time saying no to people. Mm -hmm. I mean, the pandemic has helped purify that in me to an extent because I had to. I had no choice. I would literally go insane. Yeah. Um, but I think it means, like, I know for myself, I think it means to be sane, to do what's being asked of me, not just locally within the parish, but also by the bishop in terms of studies and dias. I've gotten a few more diocesan responsibilities given to me now. Um, to say, I know you want me there for that um, meeting of that group every month. I might show up once or twice a year mm-hmm. and I'm okay. And I, the thing is, the reason I want to say yes is because I know I will probably be hated if I say no. Yeah. But maybe I need to be okay with that. Yeah. A part of being one, a Christian is being hated, but also um, part of being a pastor is being hated. I was talking to a priest the other day who recently got some uh, more responsibilities and he was in a position where he was looking for more responsibility to be more a part of his ministry and to take more ownership. And he had this experience where there was a miscommunication. And at this miscommunication, they blamed him for something. And he had this weird experience. It's like, wow, I have enough responsibility where people can get angry at me now. Mm-hmm. And so it's that mixed feeling of one being punched in the gut because you were misunderstood. But also like, oh, okay, this is what leadership's part of what leadership is about is mm-hmm. taking the fall for stuff, whether it's justified or unjustified. Oh, um, yeah. And it's, that is part of life now, right? Yeah. It gets response. And there, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. And there is, there is a, a special kind of loneliness in being hated or being misunderstood in uh, your motives being judged. Yeah. You know, that's a special kind of pain. Uh, but we should, I mean, like I said, easy for me to say right now. Uh, but uh, why should we expect anything different? I know. I, and I had said this to a friend of, a mutual friend of ours actually once. I said, if you think God's asking of a particular gift to be lived out in the church, you there and there is where you'll experience a certain sense of loneliness. Mm-hmm. Not in the sense of loneliness of not, being, not having friends in life and everything, but the loneliness of no one understanding why this is actually important because that's usually... Yeah the sign of a gift from God mm-hmm. for the sake of the good of the church. Um, no one will understand why you are so insistent on doing this, why you know that this is necessary in your life, why you know you have to live out of this. Yeah. No one else will understand it, and you have to be okay with that. Um, and it's true, right? It's true. Yeah. Um, and I mean, part of it, I mean, the reason I say all this too, because I think we where we have to be careful is we always have this tendency to ease, we run to spiritualizing it right away too easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you've been listening to the podcast for a long enough time, you know, for me, um, spirituality is only in accord with reality. <laughs> to find God, you have to run towards reality. This has mm-hmm. been like my constant refrain. And if reality is crappy <laughs> right now, or if, mm-hmm. yes, there's a cross and there's a purification and you're participating in Christ is mysteriously purifying. That's why I can be, I have never been this despondent in my life in the last six months, <laughs> honestly, yeah. but I still haven't lost hope. Yeah. 
I, I can't lose hope for whatever reason. I'm it's I'm stubborn that way, uh, mm-hmm. um, which I'm also grateful for because I think it's what keeps me afloat. Um, yeah. But we have to be careful just saying, oh, well, Jesus is inviting you to suffer that. Or Jesus is, no, like sometimes I'm suffering this because you're a jerk, you know, or, <laughs> or, or because you're being too political and you want something in your way in the parish. And mm-hmm. that's not for the common good of the people. I'm going to say no, and you're going to make my life miserable because of it. Right. Or yeah. just the constant demands of literally like, I, I can't even use my two hands to count the number of real parish wide effective emergencies that have hit me in the last six months. And mm-hmm. I can't talk about most of them either. Um, yeah. But because I also have parishioners who listen to the podcast, but I, but I still <laughs> can't just, but I just can't talk about them. Um, yeah. It's been intense. And sometimes it's just the light, the hand life deals you. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not God's active will say, I'm going to, because you want to say like, Hey God, I, is there something I've done wrong? <laughs> is this how, right? I that's, I've always loved, I, I've come to appreciate all the more St. Teresa's uh, little phrase when she falls out of her carriage or something like that one day. She goes, is this how you treat your friends? No wonder you have so few. Yeah. Right. And I, 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 uh, I appreciate that more and more. Um, but sometimes it's just, no, like, it, and if it's destroying your humanity sometimes, because it does feel like that sometimes, I'm not trying to be like despairing, but it does feel like that sometimes. And I'm sure, and I think, and a priest friend of mine actually brought this out, which I thought was very helpful. He's like, and I think this gives you a bit of an insight to what family life is like too. I'm sure parents sure. feel this as well. It's just different. Yeah. Um, but, but there's, I think, I just, guys, uh, just quickly, I, um, but, you also have to fight for what you know you need and just saying, well, just suffer it. Uh, I don't think that's helpful because I don't think you're actually accepting reality. And that's a, that's an over spiritualization in the negative sense of the term. Um, so you have to also like, like you said, you have to become an adult. You have to say, I need this. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I was going to talk about it. So, so, um, yes, Jesus suffered. And he suffered more than anybody did, but he never lost his integrity while doing so. Yeah. He never acted in a way that was not of himself. Mm -hmm. And when he, you know, there were times where he refused to, um, when the crowd wants, and his hometown wants to throw him off a cliff. He's like, nope, not my time. And he walks through their midst. Uh, when everyone's like, you have to stay in this town. It's like, nope, I have to go to the next town. And, you know, you could imagine someone saying, well, no, 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 you have to suffer this. You're the son of God. You have to stay here and suffer this. He's like, no, that's not my mission. So there's that integrity, which is not the refusal. Because in a certain way, it's, it's avoiding a suffering, but it's not the suffering that you're called to. Uh, and yeah. so to, to endure a kind of suffering that would make you less of the priest that you are, there's something that's not right about that. But yeah. if you're living out of the integrity of who you are, you're making the decisions and in the right way that you know you're supposed to, and you suffer because of that, yeah. then that's the cross. You're supposed yeah. to can't like like the world like the Lord allows enough crosses in our lives where we don't have to fashion our own. Yeah. Like we exactly. don't have to make a bunch more. It's like that no, you've got enough. Trust yeah. me. You yeah. know? <laughs> Jesus didn't pick up uh the other two thieves' crosses. He had his cross that was given to him by his father, and that's the one he was supposed to hold, you know? Yeah. Uh so yeah. Um, realizing what is and what is not the right way to suffer in that. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope I didn't depress people with this, <laughs> <laughs> but I just, it's, it's, um, 
And I know Christ is here. I really do. Um, and there's actually, in the weirdest way, I'm learning to have more freedom. There are days where you want to just freak out. And I, or you, so I'll be honest, this has never happened to me before. And I didn't give into it, but it was the first time I was really tempted. It was tempting, and I wanted to give into it, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. Tuesday night, I literally went from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. I had five minutes when I got home to make a sandwich to bring to the office to do some work that I had to do that I needed again that day before I heard confessions, had mass of young adults. I got home at 10 o'clock. And I'm looking at the calendar for the next day. I'm just like, what if I didn't show up, Jesus? What if just for one day I said mass at home? <laughs> I said, do what? Mental health day. I'm out. Mm-hmm. And that was attractive for the first time in my priesthood. Sure. I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what we call a bad sign. That's something something's not right. Well, it's just it's because yeah, it, it's it's and I went, I went, and I was, and, it, and the day was fine, right? It was just the reason I share that because and listen, I hear this also from married couples in a different sense, right? Where yeah. things are tough at home, and there are just days you're like, what if I just didn't go home for a day, mm-hmm. right? The kids are going to yell at me. My husband and I are having a big argument right now, or my wife and I are having a big argument right now, or whatever. And what if I just don't go home for a day, right? I, I hear this enough, so this is not un, this is not not normal, right? Mm-hmm. It's and the reason you're tempted towards it is because it's attractive, because you're like oh, I don't have to suffer, mm-hmm. and that's reasonable to an extent, right? Not right? wanting to feel pain is normal, right? Avoidance. And avoidance is a very strong crutch for me. Mm-hmm. But I didn't give into it. I prayed with it, and actually, it scared me a little bit when it came. Um, That's good. Which is good too. But also, like literally, I had gone fourteen hours. Like I was almost falling asleep on the drive home because I just was going, 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 going. Yeah. Um, and um, why was I sharing this? Because. I knew that despite the attractiveness of not showing up the next day, that's not where reality was, mm-hmm. right? This is why I keep on preaching about Acedia because Acedia is really avoiding reality. And that's been really helpful for me because I said, I have to embrace it, even though I might feel miserable, even though I might feel horrible in it. And I recognized I was definitely a little testy yesterday <laughs> sure. when I was going to things. Uh, but you know, we endured. It was a long day yesterday too, but you know, endured. Um, it's in all that. I think it gets to why the church is so necessary. I talk a little bit about this in Mysterion. Like we mediate Christ's presence to each other, mm-hmm. and that's why I think like stuff like community is so important whether it's lay friends, priest friends, whatever, I think that's part of the attitude shift that needs to happen. Because I know for myself that when I have time with friends, even just once a week or once every two weeks even, I'm able to bear things a lot easier because Mm -hmm. I know I have people who will bear it with me. Yeah. And I will bear their suffering with them, right? That's what the church exists. This is what the church exists for. Yeah, we, and this is what a parish should be, by the way, right? This is what, mm-hmm. We got to bear each other's weaknesses, and we need to accept failure, and we need to accept that things are going to die, and mm-hmm. that 
uh, groups aren't going to be around forever and that we're going to have to start collaborating with different parishes on different group work ministries and stuff once in a while and stuff like the day of like t- parochial territorialism is gone mm-hmm. we're strict because we are stretched too thin yeah and imagine like you had instead of like putting five people and five people in two parishes on on the same thing you have 10 people on the same thing it just makes like so much more sense Oh, it makes perfect sense. It, I wish we tell. I wish zero. everyone in my diocese realized how much sense it makes. Uh, but but also, I mean, why 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 is why is all this happening? Why is all this going on? Because despite everything that's dying, despite all the failures, who is the one who remains? Christ, Jesus Christ, and that's what he's calling us to in your insane life right now, in my slightly less insane life right now, and everything that's going on. It's talking about running back to reality. Mm-hmm. Christ is showing us that the only reality ha- we have is in him. Mm-hmm. And we cannot live in this time where things are falling apart. And it, people in the pews feel this. Uh, you know, er, er, this mm-hmm. happens. I mean, there's a lot of people, good Catholic Christians who have uh, so many valid frustrations about their own parish and their own priests and stuff and are suffering very quietly and all of that as well. But it's... <laughs> Um, I don't want to say it's the only option for us is to become holy. And by that, I mean, the only option for us is to cling completely to Christ. The only option for us is to accept our emptiness. Cause if we don't, there's going to be more and more evidence that's just going to pile up and either we'll go crazy and some priest will get a girlfriend. Another one will get drunk all the time, whatever, or, 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 or we can actually become the priest we're meant to be by yeah. relying utterly and completely on Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yep. And that's the thing. It's a come to Jesus moment in that sense. Right. And, mm-hmm. but you need time to come to Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> well, my I mean, it's, it's not been the best. It's, it's there. It's not been the best because it's like just stuff happens, you know, and it's fine. Like it is. It, I know Jesus is here and I, 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 I agree with you. Yeah. It's a, it's a moment of choice. I think this is the thing. There's a few things. One is I think we haven't dealt with the trauma of living through a pandemic for two years. And I think sure. that's a lot. Yeah, we're going to be unpacking of, that for there's a, a lot generation. Of, there's a lot of Girardian scapegoating going on right now to deal mm-hmm. with our collective suffering. And we want to blame something. Um, so there's that going on. We got to be careful because that's going to get worse. Um, and we got to, um, I think in many ways, the, the pandemic in that sense then has exacerbated the reality of where the church is at, at least in North America. And it's exacerbated the point of coming to a choice of how of it's a time of purification. It's going to put a choice. It's so interesting. I actually, the one thing I never agreed with with Ratzinger was his small church thing. Mm-hmm. I thought it was too pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it wasn't real enough. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was too ideological. Um, now he said this in the seventies when he didn't maybe even foresee a pandemic. So like, but now I agree with it a lot more. I think what's going to happen is it's a, this is a time of judgment on me, on you, on everyone, on the church. And a lot of people are going to say, no, I don't want you. And they're going to leave. I think I feel like we're entering a new 70s in the church. In, and not in the crappy felt banners thing, but in the existential exit 
of the church. We're, I think we're about to go through another round of that. Yeah, um, I just feel, I, I don't know. Just, I feel it in the air, and, and I'm not yeah. trying to, but, but, but like, but that this becomes. But if you say yes, you're with everyone who's going to say yes, so that we can bring even, so we can be that small church that brings hopefully even those people back, eventually, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, oh man, that seems like a much bigger point for yeah, a much sorry. larger podcast. Um, so, um, how should I comment on that? Um, just drop that little bomb at the end on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and at the same time, you know, I'm thinking about my parish. Yeah. And I'm thinking about um, one person uh, who I know who's becoming Catholic, who's getting baptized, mm-hmm. who for a long time now, uh, this person will go in front of our Blessed Mary statue uh, before um, our say, like every night. And God's working miracles in that person's life. Mm-hmm. And more and more people are coming to faith. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of burnout and a lot like a lot of burnout from our church workers, from our priests and everything. Um, but even in that, that's forcing certain questions that we would have been comfortable not answering before. And now we have to. Mm-hmm. And through that process, which will be very much two steps forward, one step back, they'll be stumbling. God is very patient. We're going to grow closer to Christ. You're not a bad person because you're suffering. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And, and yeah, I don't want to sound hopeless in that. I actually don't think it's hopeless to go small. No. Um, and we can and we cannot be the agents that exacerbate this. I think too often people use that and say, well, see, I'm just going to make the church smaller. And it's yeah, like, yeah, no. no, no. You have to let things play out according to people's freedom. Right. Yeah. You have to die on the cross trying to bring people to Christ. Yeah. You and, can't just like. <laughs> and there like is peace. no such thing as a pure church, right? Ever since no. the Constantinian uh, Revolution, which, you know, legalized Christianity, the church has become here comes everyone. And right. those who and say yes. Before that. Yeah. Yeah. And but the church, those who really live for Christ suffer for those who don't in the church so that they can bring them to redemption. This yeah, is the course. whole mission of the church. Um, and we need to keep that in mind. And so, but I just, I don't say it's like a hopeless thing, but I think it means, it just means we have to be okay that this might be the path that Jesus, that Jesus is bringing his church through, at least in North America. And that we're not it either. Yeah. The church and is we're not- blowing up in Africa in a good way. Yeah. Like it's, it's exploding and it's thriving and it's growing by leaps and bounds. And we're going to have an African Pope in 10 to 20 years. No problem. Right. Like, yeah. Um, so it's not all hopeless, but we're and I do think we're being judged in the West. Especially. I mean, we're due for one. We're, we're due, due for, for one. one. When you're killing, we're a little overdue for when one. When you're killing both the newborns and the elderly freely, um, we deserve it. <laughs> All right, we're, we're spiraling yeah. a little. Sorry, bit. let's let's wrap it up. All right, you do your script thing. <laughs> hey, please hey. consider doing. Hey, <laughs> well, no, 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 we're not doing that one. Okay, this is here we go. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me drinking probably another double shot of espresso. You can find me coming out of the, the, the pits of despair on, at, on Twitter at FR Harrison. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Also, if you want, you can pray for us. That's pretty cool. And if you have a theological emergency, call 412-912-7995, 412-912-7995. We've been getting some calls saying that no matter what you claim your name to be is, we're going to say 
if that is your real name, guess what? We're going to keep doing that. So don't try to out-clever us, because our bit isn't clever in the first place. Just accept that this is how it's going to be. We got rid of the annoying Summa Tweetalogica thing. We have to have an annoying thing in our podcast. It's yeah. Lent. It's how you have to deal with it, okay? 412-912-7995. <laughs> Peace. God bless. <laughs>